This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Convinced the living water changes everything one life at a time. Praise the Lord. We are looking at a very interesting topic. And as I began to do my study and watch what the Lord was going to do in this area, I will tell you that uh, I was uh, amazed at where the Holy Spirit and the Lord are taking me as we begin this, uh, this series. And really what we're talking about, and this is great, as you look to the left and the right of you, you will all see an empty chair. You see an empty chair? You've heard me say before that God is not a God specifically of numbers. And neither should we. If we start focusing on numbers, you lose the thing God's actually focused on. A person. But because that empty chair doesn't represent a number, it represents a person. It represents someone who might be able to be there either being encouraged in the Lord or hearing the message of the Lord. And therefore, this topic about reasons, seven of them, why people don't do church and how we can overcome them is vitally important. First of all, the kingdom of God is about letting those people know that don't know around us that Jesus has a way that they don't have to spend eternity without him. That is the good news, and it is good news. In fact, I tell you, it's the greatest news we've ever heard. And so as we talk about the empty chair and talking about the seven reasons why people don't do church, it becomes important that we address practically, Lord, what can we do? And I believe with all my heart, as you've heard me say, God has not changed and the, the, the answer is still where it's always been. When you look at all the trouble and all the things that are happening in the world and an answer for them, yes, the answer is as simple as turning to the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. In fact, I will tell you, the Bible does not say God helps those who help themselves. The Bible says, cursed is the man who trusts in his own flesh. So we better rely on the Lord. <laughs> if we want to see God move in our own life, we have to come and say, Lord, I'm willing you do a work. If we want to see him move in our family, it's the same thing. In our church, in our community, we are tools in which God works through his spirit. So we have to be willing, but we cannot do the work. Only he can. So let's look at this important, important uh, topic. And number two is guess what? We talked about number one. Now this, 
that you, you may think, as, as I did, I said, Lord, what in the world am I going to do with this? Football is the number two reason listed for people not coming to do church. They just don't want to miss it on Sunday. Now, we can look at that and we can become judgmental and pharisaical and check our attendance off and tell everyone how great we are. Or we can get on our knees and say, Lord, if we're the people of God, why don't people know it? Because the scripture I'm going to read to you is going to be amazing today. So let's again, remember last week, seven reasons. Number one, church makes me nervous. I don't feel like I belong. We addressed that last week. If you missed it, I encourage you to go online and look. You can grab the sermon and, uh, and catch up with us. Number two, football games Sunday. I will miss them. Pastor Brian, how are we ever going to talk about bringing people to church? And by the way, may I tell you that it's not just football for us, but in the Pacific Northwest, we are dealing with a lot of things. Did you see how nice it was out this morning? If you don't think we deal with sunshine when we live in a place where six to nine months out of the year it rains and is cloudy... We're, 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 uh, we could be really saying, Lord, how are they going to even get here? We got the mountains, we got the coast, we've got all these things. What's going to happen? Well, I tell you first, we better have something worth having. And if people aren't seeing the power of God in us, why would they come? If people don't see that it's made a difference in you, why would I ever want it? You hear what I'm saying? So what is it about football? So I begin to say, Lord, what is it? Is football in itself an evil, horrible thing? No. I believe in the culture of football that those who belong to it have captured something that should have and ought have been in the church the whole time. What is it? Let's talk about it. Let's look at... Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together, and they held all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were Talking, uh, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. I know you're all just wondering, okay, this is really curious. How, how's he going to do this? 
And really, maybe, you know, I mean, all those things are so powerful, really, probably, we probably just ought to all go home, right? Is that what we're going to do? No, the answer is still the same. The answer is still that if we will call upon God, if we will do the things he's asked us to do, there's not a football game around that is exciting enough to stop them from coming. But if God isn't there, why would they come? So the first thing I want to talk to you about, oh, how did that guy get up there? The first thing I want to talk to you about is Sunday morning. They say every minute of every game, every Sunday. And you can feel the excitement. What they've built is what the church has always had, and we in our nation, I feel, have kind of lost, and that is the camaraderie, the, the gathering together, the really knowing one another as a team. And wanting to see one another. The man, I can't wait until I get the chance to get with my teammates again and hang out. And there is a piece of Sunday morning football, not just the national aspect of football, but then the team. So may I tell you, yes, we're a part of the body of Christ. But we at North Lake Church, we're a team that God has put together here. And there ought to be a sense of, I need to know my teammates. It's not okay to come and check it off and say, I've been to church. I hope that person across the other aisle, even though I haven't talked to them for a year and have no idea who they are, I hope they're doing well. There is a sense of family and belonging and team. It's not just people sitting together because they like being in their living room. There is a sense that they are a part of something bigger than themselves. They like being together with one another. And that aspect of the team needs to be brought back into the church. There's something about doing it together that's powerful. Even when a team has made a mistake and gets penalized, we're all in it together. And there's something powerful about being together. But here's the scary thing. It means you're going to have to get to know your teammates. Do you know when I played football that, and I know that it hasn't changed, that when you get used to as a quarterback, one particular hiker, center, that plays your center, that you know if your center gets, in, gets hurt, the quarterback is in trouble. Because if you don't think a center matters, it matters. I remember a season... I got so used to being able to tell how he was going to hike the ball, when he was going to hike the ball, how he would put the ball in my hand, 
that I took it for granted until he got hurt. And I had to have that backup center that I never really knew. And the first time he hiked the ball to me, I went, well, that was weird. In fact, there was times during that game I fumbled. What am I saying? I'm saying that there's something powerful about being a family together. Don't just think at North Lake Church, we're asking you to come and check off your time at church. Know one another. Get to know one another. When we have a dinner, an auction, it's not just about the raising of the funds. It's being together. It's knowing the person across the table. So that when we have a game and we go out there, you know your center. And when you're in the midst of the battle, you're not going to fumble the ball. But there's strength in a team. There's strength in being together. That's what it talked about here. They were continually. That means it wasn't just a one-time thing. Hey, We are going to spend eternity together with one another. And I will tell you, nothing will matter on that day except being together. Being with one another. It isn't going to matter what house you had, what car you drove, what job you had, when you retired. None of that will matter. There is a camaraderie that happens in football that we need to have in the church again. There is a caring for one another that we need to have in the church again. Yeah, but Pastor Brian, then we have to go back to, uh, you know, the small church of 25 or what? No, we don't. It means we have to be intentional. You've heard that somewhere, haven't you? It means that we can't say, well, I hope. It means we have to say, you know what? I haven't had coffee with them. I don't nearly know them enough. I'm going to reach out and say, hey, let's get together. Hey, let's, uh, you know, again, please see in the things that we put together, we may be sharing a meal. We may be at the the cemetery doing a work day, whatever. That's praise the Lord. But there's something powerful about doing it as a team together. Being together, knowing one another. Amen? And I will tell you, when one isn't there, even though you may say, ah, it's no difference, it makes a difference. The whole body hurts when we aren't together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25 puts it this way. It says... Not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you know when teams start practice in the summer, they don't practice nearly as much or spend as nearly as much time as they are when they're getting ready for the Super Bowl? Guess what? We're getting ready for a celebration that's going to far out exceed any earthly thing we've ever had. When he comes and says, game over, I won't blow the whistle, I promise. But when he comes and gathers us, I'm telling you, that is going to be worth celebrating. 
And there's something about that celebration as a team that you will not get anywhere else. Write this verse down. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 12. It is the reference that is used where it says two are better than one because they have a better return for their work. One, if he falls down, the other can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and has no one to help him up. That's the importance about relationship with one another. That's the importance. We need one another. And let me encourage you, it's a core value of North Lake Church. Relationships, relationships. Get to know one another. No, it's not just about coming one more time. It's I need to know that other person. Well, what else? If you know, how many of you know what that picture is? That is the greatest catch ever I've seen in history. There was no way that guy was catching that ball. Not a chance. And I saw it right before my eyes. And I thought, how did that happen? Here's something that football brings that we better have in the church or they're not going to come. And that is an anticipation that you don't know what may happen. And see, we're all sitting around like we're, ah, nothing's ever going to change. What God do you serve? Do you serve a God who you say, ah, you know, it's just really about going through the motions and I got to be here and, you know, I'll get through this and I'll get on with my day and do what I really want to do? Or do we serve a God who you say, I'm going because guess what? You don't know what may happen. Why do people get excited about football? Because when you watch two teams play, lots of things could happen. And you don't want to miss something. If you miss this catch, this will go down as one of the greatest football catches in history. But I will tell you that if you serve the God that I serve, we need to sometimes go back and read what we have read in the Scripture. You want to talk about being excited and anticipating things that may happen. When the Red Sea splits, that's exciting. I'm going to challenge us and say, If you're here and you're walking with the Lord and you're walking in a way where you've said, Lord, I really haven't seen you do anything for 10 years. I often reference my relationship to God this way. It's like the old picture of the young couple, 20 years old, just gets married. They're in an old Chevy truck, one of those, you know, that has the the, the bed across the front that's a one-seater. And literally, the two are sitting so close together that the guy can hardly make it over to shift. 
And then you see another picture when they're 75 years old. The guy's in the driver's seat and the girl's as close to the window on the other side as she can get. And she looks over and she says, Honey, what happened? I mean, you're sitting way over there and I'm way over here by the window. And the gentleman looks over at her and says, Honey, I'm in the same place I've always been. And I will tell you, God has not moved. God's arm is not too short. He's not gone on vacation. God is the same God as he's ever been. So if you feel like there is distance, move over on the seat and get next to him and say, Lord, I'm anticipating anything could happen because you are God. Sometimes our attitude needs to change. Sometimes God needs to do an attitude adjustment on us. We go and get our backs corrected. We need to go and get our spirits corrected. We need to go and get our minds corrected and get it corrected according to the Word and according to the Holy Spirit in us. If your co-workers never hear you talk about God doing things in your life, why would they want to come to where you go every week? Why do you think people get into football? Because Monday morning around the coffee pot, they're all talking about that catch. And they say, did you miss it? Did you see it? When was the last time we did that with one another? When was the last time you felt God did something to you that you were so excited you couldn't wait to tell somebody? Or do you say, ah, well, you know, I know it was God, but I just better not say. <laughs> We've got to get a different perspective. We've got to come with an anticipation. We've got to come saying, I don't know what may happen. Amen? And listen to what the scripture says says everyone had a sense of awe. Verse 32, 43, I'm sorry. Verse 43, why did they have that sense of awe? Because they continued to talk about, guess what? Peter and John came at the temple beautiful and a guy that was crippled from birth went walking and leaping and praising God. Did you miss it? You say, Pastor Brian, that kind of stuff is stuff you just read in the Bible. And as long as in our nation we rely on everything other than God, we won't see a move of God. I pray for my nation. I love America. But the very blessings God has blessed us with have become our demise. We rely and we turn to money, things, stuff, relationships, you name it, we turn to it, but we refuse to turn to the one who can do something. And why would the world come and fill an empty chair when our life says to them, it's empty, there's nothing happening? 
I don't say that as your pastor to condemn you. I say it because God's challenging me the same way. Do I believe God is who he says he is or don't I? And if I do, what am I doing about it? And if I'm not doing anything about it, then the Bible says demons believe in God and shudder. But it doesn't mean they have anything to do with him. Wow, it's awful quiet. The empty chair will not get filled by anything other than them seeing something worth being a part of. That's why you have everybody wanting to be a part of football. You have girls that don't even know what football is. What is it that attracts them in being there? It's the camaraderie. It's the anticipation of not knowing what may happen. They may watch their husband freak out. <laughs> they may watch their pastor put a bag over his head because <laughs> he picked the wrong team. <laughs> My point is, guys, God's always been. Why, why were you seeing so many people being filled in the church? Because God was moving. You look at our movement, I talked about it last week, when people just filled the church so much they had to open Sunday night. When God is there, people show up. You say, what do we do? I say, we better get on our face before God and say, God, start working in me. God, revive me, move in me. Let me have such an anticipation of what you're doing in my life that I share it around the coffee pot on Monday morning, that I share it around the water thing on Sunday, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. But if we never have a testimony of anticipating or excitement about God, but they see us and we say, well, I suppose, you know, you want to come to church, you're doing anything on Sunday? Yeah, I'm doing lots of things. Give me a reason to go. You hear what I'm saying? All right. The last one, and by, and let me share a verse with you. Because you may say, Pastor Brian, what difference does this make? Well, let me share it to you this way. John writes this, many other signs, therefore Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Yeah, but Pastor Brian, I know, I've heard of all those things, and... and uh, does that mean, you know, I've got to, when prayer comes, I've got to feel like if I've if, if I got to stay up there and I've got to make something happen? No, that becomes manipulation. Manipulation is witchcraft. Do you hear me? When we try to manipulate God, it's witchcraft. That's what the Bible calls it. God does not need our manipulation. God wants our obedience. God wants us saying, Lord, if I've come up there ten times, you're still the only hope I have. And unless you touch me, I'm in trouble. 
oh, but Pastor Brian, maybe we ought to turn the lights out. Maybe we ought to go home. I mean, God just doesn't work like that anymore. I mean, He doesn't, does He? Well, before we turn the lights out, let's look. This is what the Scripture says in John 21. In case you missed the last one where it said many other things God did, listen to what this says. This is the disciple who bears witness of these things and wrote wrote these things. And we know that his witness is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books. Do you hear that? It means John and all of those stories you read in the Scripture is just scratching the surface. It is not all the miracles God did. It is not, doesn't even come close. They literally had watched Jesus do so many miraculous things, they had to be particular in what they wrote. It said the reason these are written is so you'll believe, but... I could, you could literally fill the earth with the amount of material God did. Powerful. All right, last thing. When was the last time you celebrated something in your brother or sister's life that happened that God did for them? This is another reason why we need to know one another. When was the last time that we as a team got together and celebrated saying, you know what, something good happened? Now let me tell you something that the world has with football that we ought to have in the church. They were getting together every time, breaking in bread in their homes, enjoying all the favor of God. In the game of football, you will have people go crazy over people gaining a yard. Do you realize how, how, how little a yard is? Now listen, they've, they've mastered something that we desperately need in the church. And that is to celebrate victories. We belittle them, we, we, we ignore them, we take them for granted. We don't say anything about them. We need to celebrate the yardage moving forward. Every time one of those uh, first down markers moves, you can see the whole stadium erupt. And yet, we hear about God doing something in the life of somebody and we think, oh, well, yeah, it was 10 yards, no big deal. We don't celebrate the victory. And if our brothers and sisters in Christ don't feel us being excited for the little things God's doing for them, why would they come? We need to celebrate.
celebrate with one another. We need to celebrate even when it has been a goal-lying defense and we held them. You have someone that's been in crisis all week and they say, man, it was a tough week. I was on the goal line, but at least the devil didn't score. That's worth celebrating. <laughs> Hallelujah. I never thought two points could make a difference till a football game was won by a touchback. And all of a sudden, I remember that time in my life. I thought, man, it was about touchdowns and field goals. I'd never even heard of a touchback. And then a game was won because of two points. And I thought, wow. See, we need to learn to celebrate victories. It could be something as simple as, you know what? I got out of bed and I heard the Lord speak to me this morning and, and it lifted my soul. Well, I'm glad. Celebrate it! Celebrate those small things so that in anticipation when Christ moves and does a healing, when Christ moves and we get a touchdown, we're able to celebrate. And I've had people say, well, you know, I'm just not the celebrating kind. Some of the most quiet people that I've ever seen, when their team does something good, My point is this, guys, the only thing really worth celebrating is life is Jesus. He's the only thing that matters, and we don't celebrate our victories nearly enough. Listen to what Hebrews 10.24 says. Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider how to stimulate one another and in the NIV, it says, uh, spur one another on to good deeds and to love. We don't nearly take that scripture as serious as we ought. We need to encourage one another. We need to celebrate. Why is it that people like to be a part of that? Because there's a celebration. Why is it people want to be a part of it? Because there's an anticipation. Why do people want to be a part of it? Because there's a sense of family and camaraderie. Why isn't it that we don't see that happening on exponential level in the church? I say we have to have it. I say at North Lake Church, let's not let another day go past. And let me ask the question, how many of you connected with someone else in the church this week? Raise your hand. That's good, but it's not nearly good enough. And, and by the way, it's not just electronically. Find 10 minutes, a half hour to sit and have a cup of coffee. Find time to love on one another and become a close-knit team. Guys, you watch and you see your favorite sports team, no matter who it is. 
The reason that they get good is because they've been together so long. If you haven't been together, how are we going to move the kingdom of God together? Two are better than one. It's better to connect. We'll do more for the Lord together than we ever will apart. God has a plan for you for North Lake Church. God wants you to be a part of His team. He wants you to be a part of a team. And God wants to see the empty chair filled. Not because of a program, not because we've all said, well, we got to go out and do this, but because God's moving. Because they can't wait to see what God's going to do. Bow your head with me.